and welcome back this week with another episode of the Just Asian Things podcast, a podcast where two Asian Americans talk about how we suck at being Asian. I'm Chris Trung. And I'm John Nguyen. And this week, we have an Asian topic for you guys. Ooh. Yeah, finally. It's finally. been a while. For a while, it was going to be just dating topics. No, we're back to just Asian things. Yeah, we're going to be talking about code switching today. Ooh, what's that, John? So the idea of code switching, if you haven't heard about it before, is essentially you being one way with a certain group of people in your life, and then you switching the way you act, talk, the way you say things with another group. So you switch essentially your personalities or your tone depending on the environment you're in. Yeah, so we're gonna be talking about what code switching is, why we do it, which part of us is a real us, is it <laughs> fake or not to have multiple types of who you are, right? Yeah, exactly. It just depends on, I guess, the environment you're in. It's prominent in other communities, but I feel like within the Asian American community, it's not a topic we often talk about, but we do it. It's not something we always talk about, but we are right now. Yeah. So listen up. Y'all. Yeah, cue segue. Cue the segue. So John, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. the fuck is code switching? I I feel like I've never heard of that term until you asked me that the other day. Yeah, that just shows that people in our community don't really acknowledge or talk about code switching. Right? It's so funny. You told me when, when I was like this entire time, I brought it up for months now and you thought I said, what, code switching? Yeah, I was like, oh, code switching. You put on a different coat whenever you talk to someone else uh-huh. and then you put on another coat when you talk to another someone else. I mean, that's essentially the idea of code switching too, except with coats. Yeah, except now it's with codes. Yeah, with codes. So code switching essentially like you're giving off different signals, codes. You're being essentially a different person. Okay. When you're talking or you're you're in a different like group or environment. So I think it's the most prominent and most talked about, you know, I could be wrong, but among the black community. Right, where the idea of you kind of have to put on a like quote unquote white person's voice in order to really fit in or belong or even to be accepted in a white person's world or different community, right? The whole idea, I think, behind the movie Sorry to Bother You, if you've seen it, is like the white person's voice, right? Okay. Like the, guy, the main character has to put on that voice in order to climb up the ladder and to succeed, but he's, you know, obviously a black. So we Asian Americans also code switch, but we don't acknowledge it and we don't talk about it. And is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Like... That's what we're going to talk about today. So you're saying if instead of my voice, I have a white person's voice, this podcast would become super popular? Yeah. Oh shit. Why haven't we started doing that already? Dude, I know. I feel for real. I feel like with Asians, especially, I guess it depends on like which nationality of Asian, but I feel like for Vietnamese, we have like really high voices, right? Yeah. And it's not very traditionally attractive to listen to. And then dude, we often get confused with with our voices sound similar apparently on the podcast. Yeah. Everyone keeps telling us, John, I can't distinguish you from Chris. I don't know who's talking. Yeah, it's so, dude, it's offensive. I don't want to sound like you. I don't sound like you, right? Well, it's also <laughs> offensive because I also don't want to look and sound like you. Okay, I mean, why not? I've seen your style. <laughs> or I should say lack of. Fair, uh, fair. But you um, know, that's something I should do on Google. I should just type up how to have a white person voice. Yeah, and, and it's so subtle too in terms of what makes us having quote unquote Asian sounding voices. It's just like maybe in our R's or the way we say certain W's. I don't know. Yeah, but you know what? You can tell. Yeah, for the longest time when I was a little kid, uh-huh. I had to go to speech therapy. Did oh, you know that about real? me? No, wait, yeah. what? I, I would always have such a hard time uh-huh. pronouncing certain words. And yeah. for me, I think it was the, like the Earl sound. So okay. I would always have a hard time saying like girl or like. <laughs> You're with the L's or the R's? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I would have a hard time saying the word world, right? Is it, how would you say I that? say world. <laughs> <coughs> Shit. 
shit, dude. Oh, geez. Take it easy. <laughs> dude, I don't want to kill you. It was always so hard for me, especially even though I was born here. It just came a little bit more difficult yeah. to learn for some reason. Was it because your Vietnamese was your first language? You didn't speak English right away first? Well, no. It was a combination because I grew up yeah. in that Vietnamese-American household where my grandparents would speak Vietnamese, but my mom would speak some English or oh, okay, a little bit did. of English. And then I went to school and that's where I spoke more English. So maybe yeah. maybe that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the constant back and forth. For me, I Vietnamese is my first language. So I didn't actually speak English until I started I think like kindergarten or something. Okay. I don't even remember a time where I didn't speak English, but that's what they tell me. I believe it. But yeah, I can see how that can be confusing to like a child's mind. And especially you're developing like your tongue and your language. Like right. you're mixing the accent. I still do that to this day, actually. And I'm kind of self-conscious about that at work when I'm in big rooms where I have to present i sometimes slur or mix my words and i don't know if it's because i'm just speaking really fast because sometimes Vietnamese people just speak really fast or if i'm, I'm mixing the languages together that kind of makes me kind of self-conscious and like not want to present in big rooms it's okay i've noticed that anytime i've edited our podcast i was like oh <laughs> dude john just kind of mixed up this word here i don't know why <laughs> dude i noticed that too <laughs> when i speak i'm like okay i don't fucking hear it but then when i listen to this podcast when we edit i'm like holy fuck dude i like mix up my words so much don't worry that actually happens to me too. Uh -huh. Anytime I'm editing my own voice, I'm like, oh, did it really just mess up that word? Really? Yeah. Wow. Self-conscious, but whatever, right? We're making yeah. content for the world. Talk shit. We'd love to hear it. We're making funny shit for everyone else to listen to and make exactly. fun of. But we fucking code switch, right? And then I think you had a, a story too, right? Specifically with like your work. Yeah. That you oftentimes have to code switch. It's so different. It's I feel like there's so many different parts of who I am. There's me on this podcast. Uh -huh. There's me with my friends, me and my family, and then yeah. me at work. Yeah. And every one of them, I feel, is a different part of me, but also the same part of me. Yeah, the different aspects of you. Yeah. So whenever I'm at work, I'll just preface that with, because you know, whenever I'm just normal me, I'm yeah. super fucking cocky, yeah. super loud, confident, obnoxious, loud, annoying, confident, all of those. Boy, yes. Well, okay. You didn't have to go that far. <laughs> but yes. Okay, yes. okay. At work, dude, I am so quiet. Uh -huh. I am super humble. I'm very like, oh, yes, sir. V yeah. Very chill. People at work right now in paramedic school, they're like, Chris, you know everything, don't you? Oh, you're like a doctor. I'm like, oh, you guys, I don't know anything. Uh -huh. Oh, man, it's just because I, I study a little bit. You know, actually, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Yeah. And then when I get home, I'm like, this shit's so fucking easy. <laughs> Come on, world. Natural to yeah. me. Uh -huh. Do you feel like you have to do that to succeed, though? Like, you have to embrace a different you to make it work in that field? Yeah, honestly, it's because I have analyzed, like, what it means to be a firefighter and, like, uh -huh. the fire services in general. And normal me, I don't think is a good personality for it. So I use a different part of me that's that I cater myself towards like the fire service. So yeah. a little bit more humble, a little bit more focused on just the actual work itself. And like knowing that you can't be good at everything. There's always more stuff to learn. Yeah. Like let's say I'm already a good paramedic. There's always another thing to learn about paramedicine and emergency medicine. Yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, so essentially you're, you're code switching, but you're switching to a personality that's just more like humble to the service. I mean, do you feel like there are aspects of it though that you kind of have to tone down, like maybe like part of your identity or part of your Asian heritage that you have to yeah, honestly, hide in order to work and succeed in, let's say, you know, I think firefighting historically 
white dominant right it's, it's been primarily white people. yeah yeah i wouldn't say that i go as so far as to hide my asian identity yeah it just doesn't come up as much as being a firefighter being a firefighter is about firefighter identity how you fit in with the rest of the firefighters yeah so i'll still at work i'll cook a lot of asian food and okay. that's usually a i was hit. gonna ask you that actually because yeah. i feel like when you're a kid especially i mean i went to a, a white dominant caucasian dominant high school middle school whatever and i always hated the idea of bringing food from home because my mom would always just make asian food right mm -hmm. but it would have a lot of distinct smells and i'd be like nah and i wouldn't want to bring it even if i thought it tastes good just because i don't want people making fun of me right yeah i will say that i don't cook any of the very like smelly. harder harder asian foods like the ones all of the fish sauces uh -huh. that's very different for non-asian people to eat i cook all of your basics i'll just cook fried rice i'll cook some chow mein uh -huh. i'll cook some baluklak <laughs> baluklak yeah I'll, I'll cook all of the Chicken all of beef. the basic asian foods out there which is pretty exquisite for white white firefighters yeah eat. they're like dude this is the best shit ever yeah <laughs> me with sea level cooking like yeah that's me dude uh, did you say that like your the favorite thing from that you cook is like a fucking chicken katsu or something oh yeah my famous chicken katsu yeah yeah is that like their favorite thing mm -hmm. yeah i i have a good reputation at work now for the chicken okay, katsu they're like, like chris bring out the katsu they're like this shit is the best asian food ever yeah and then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll joke about it afterwards we're like yeah japanese chicken nuggets yeah that's what chicken katsu japanese is chicken japanese chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets. <laughs> uh, that's fucking fair dude i know but yeah it's it's that different version of me at work work yeah. because you know i i know like i need to be a different side of me yeah compared to who i am naturally and it also honestly it feels like sometimes i can't really show my true personality mm -hmm. which is fine because that's not the only part of who i am like i'm not just defined by my career there's yeah. so much more to me than that yeah definitely identity isn't static right mm -hmm. like you're not just one person all the time everywhere you kind of have to adapt to your environment i feel in order to really make things work but it's still a bummer that you feel like you know even sometimes even if it's just a little bit that you kind of have to suppress part of your identity in order to be accepted anywhere right but you know i think that's just a natural thing that asian americans kind of are grown up being taught by our parents like we should embrace white culture and like try to fit in as much as possible and, like be unseen and i think that's where the idea of like the model minority myth came about right like right. the offensive and it's a slur in a sense where like you are a model in the sense that you don't really cause disruption you're just fucking yeah. quiet you you're just like you're quiet you go along with it yeah you contribute. Um, i can see where that came from is that like how you are with your work so i think i was more so when i was in school and college but it was it's weird because i feel like a lot of other asians and asian americans growing up in like you know the asian diaspora basically if you grow up asian in a different country that's not in asia you kind of have this shared experience where you don't really embrace your identity until after you finish school yeah in that's adulthood. the thing yeah right? is that weird mm -hmm. like even like you know and this is totally not even like asian but even like religion dude like, i didn't fucking go to church for like decades and then all of a sudden now i'm like okay i'm like 26 now like maybe i'll just try things out and same with identity too like i am embracing my asianness more than ever before and i guess that's why we would do this podcast yeah right this is like I the mean, whole concept of this podcast yeah this podcast is all about us embracing like how to go from being a bad asian to learning more about being asian by just talking about these things yeah right? like i'm becoming more asian just by talking to you about how we're not asian yeah exactly uh, yeah i think this whole shared experience of like now that i am an adult i'm getting older i am not ashamed anymore of mm -hmm. being asian like i actually am very prideful of it that now at work as a 26 year old i like love like embracing my identity and talking about my culture and whenever we have an initiative at the office about asian identity I do like an asian brand campaign or anything asian i'm like dude like obviously dude i'm your guy i'm your guy and you know like you need a researcher to 
help you inform whatever on this project like obviously who else on this team besides me yeah i mean knock knock just asian things podcast have you heard about it yeah i didn't think so <laughs> dude so one of my coworkers actually asked me was like hey if you have any episode of your podcast you want to help me like listen to share with me so i can understand asian culture more <laughs> share with me and i was like i don't know about you're that, like dude. Uh, just don't listen to the fuckboy episode <laughs> that's all i'm saying just don't listen to the fuckboy yeah, episode just avoid all the dating episodes which is like 35 percent of our episodes right and you'll be good it's like how i am at work too i'm like oh hey chris you do a podcast i'm like yeah you listen, just don't listen to the the dating episodes where i talk about my penis and getting it wet yeah dude it's fucking interesting mix for sure like if i share my link to my coworkers, like hey general here's all the episodes mm -hmm. i'm kind of worried they'll be listening to like the latest ones and oh. i'm like i'll fuck our latest episodes are all about dating but here we are talking about actual identity yeah uh, so just to let you guys know we're not just one trick ponies we don't always just talk about our dating life it's also about important stuff like this too yeah yeah it's super important but no yeah to answer your question again like i don't hide it as much i'm much more embracing of my culture and identity and my whole identity too is it's totally different too mm -hmm. from what general asian american might mean because i think uh steven yoon or some actor was talking about asian american as like a third identity mm. right you're not asian you're not american you're just like a whole separate being and then even pretending that you're one or the other is not accurate or true to who you really are now but yeah i don't know i definitely embrace my culture more and i'm loving it that's right? awesome dude i think one thing that i'm trying to do to help embrace more of my culture too is with my fire department we have a lot of cities that are almost entirely asian mm -hmm. vietnamese to be more specific and i every time i worked there it's been so cool being a role model to all of the kids whenever we go on these medical aids mm -hmm. a lot of times there are these language barriers because you have these old asian grandmas and grandpas who can't speak a lick of english yeah and you have three white firefighters going like fuck what do i do now uh -huh. and then the one guy just like hey chao chu you know how, how can i help you? I'm, I'm telling them how can i help you in vietnamese and then like the look of relief on their faces like when oh, you show up this guy gets me he can he can actually speak to me it's yeah. it's amazing man yeah i mean in this case too it's a example of where code switching in a way that's helpful mm -hmm. for the people you're trying to help and serve in your industry right in your yeah. career those are like really good examples of code switching but there are times too where right it's kind of looked down upon or and i feel like whenever i travel at least within the u.s and i go to certain states that are very not asian not asian, <laughs> asian, <dominant. laughs> not asian. and i'm like the only asian like the whole city i'm like walking through a store and people are staring at me it's kind of uh i don't know like i don't know the right word for this like uh nerve-wracking oh i got um, you disconcerting disconcerting yeah it's just like yeah. the spotlight of attention and i'm sure like you know a lot especially of those in black community feel that all the time right where they yeah. go you know but we as a community collectively are now acknowledging it only because all the shit that has been happening recently to those in the API community. So, right. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think one thing that's kind of different for you and me is if I was in the scenario, which I have been, because yeah. I, I was living in Missouri for an entire month before I was yeah. the only Asian person that I saw there. Yeah. Um, I just owned up to it and embraced your Asianness. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was even better because on Tinder, when I was swiping right uh -huh. on everyone, yeah, people yeah, yeah. were like, "Who is this Ooh, guy? Who's so just exotic? Up? Exotic?" And I was like, "Yeah, you ever seen Asian penis before?" Boom! Here it is. <laughs> nice. So so I think that's the difference between you and me is yeah. I try to like embrace. My my environment and i try to like own up everything else yeah and i think maybe that's um an outcome of maybe the difference in your upbringing i know for me i grew up in a white community and therefore i really wanted to go like really white dominant colleges and really hide away and run away from my Asian identity as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Even the idea of my mom doing a very stereotypical Vietnamese job of nails and at a nail salon was like 
almost in a way like, oh, I don't want to talk about that stuff. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, we're, I'm falling into a stereotype. Right. And I was trying to go away and actively work against a stereotype. Yeah. Honestly, that part, parts of it is true. And it's me. And I should have just embraced it back then. Did you feel like somewhat embarrassed of it back back then? Yeah, I did. I did. And, and now, honestly, you know, even back then, like, I hate to admit it, but I was kind of embarrassed that my mom did nail, right? Yeah. Like, and where dad did, like, blue-collar jobs. And so I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't want to be talking about that in, like, a white, wealthy community. Right. But now as an adult, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking so proud of my mom. Like, I'm ashamed of myself for being embarrassed back then because she worked so hard, mm -hmm. right, doing fucking stupid labor, menial, blue-collar jobs to get me where I'm at. Dude, I'm the same way because back when I was a kid, my mom was doing nails, too. And mm -hmm. I would always feel ashamed of, oh, my mom has to clean other people's toes for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever but now that i'm older you're right i am ashamed that i felt that way because my mom was working so hard yeah to make ends meet for me my sister and my yeah. family so it's it's something that you don't start to realize and appreciate until you get a little bit older mm -hmm. and i'm glad that to at least feel this way now so i can reflect on my past and like mm -hmm. hey mom thanks so much you know i know it's like a shitty job mm -hmm. doing that but love you yeah it's great yeah you know it's interesting how we, we both reflect on similar things in just about different upbringing like i mean our recently too that was like oh people that grow up in non-asian communities that are asian really wish they grew up in areas like we grew up in orange county right mm -hmm. or parts of like new york city that have really big asian communities so they can have that bond with each other not right. worry about their identity but i had the opposite mindset and i grew up in an Asian community, but I wanted to separate myself. And I think that's because my mom had this, you know, very traditional belief where you kind of have to embrace quote unquote white America in order to succeed. So she put me in a white school district. Mm -hmm. But honestly, in hindsight, I wish I kind of stayed in an Asian school district. I think I would have been, I would have grown up a lot healthier. Yeah, you know what I mean? that, that's true. You are the definition of unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back then, for sure. And uh, then I, one of my top schools was Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, back when I wanted to become an engineer. Okay. And I went back there with my girlfriend like a week ago or last weekend or something. And I was like, dude, there's no Asians in sight. Oh, dude, I was like, I don't know. Like the me now would not like it, but me, the me back then was all for it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see how I have evolved reflecting on it. Yeah, it's almost like, I guess you can say code switching as you mature with experience too, mm -hmm. right? Like how you act back when you were younger is different from you, how you act now based on like their experiences in life that you've had. Yeah, yeah, true. And I, I feel, I still like find myself occasionally code switching here and there in terms of, oh, pronouncing words in a much more American way mm -hmm. to make it easier to understand. You know, even kind of like us saying our name, like, fucking my last name, Nguyen. Right. I could say like, oh, Nguyen. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. If all these people listen to this, apologies if you're, if you're Nguyen's your last name. But Blast you know what him. I mean? Yeah. Um, I find myself using similar language whenever I'm at work versus when I'm not yeah. at work. I'll talk to, all of the people we help out like hey folks how are you guys doing today uh -huh. how are y'all doing today yeah I'll, I'll use stuff like that when i'm when i'm outside of work i'm like what's up gangsta you know uh -huh. stop player yeah like very very more urban very chill vibe yeah i agree i agree i i can see you doing that actually like i've seen like absorb you doing that and it, you know, I don't really think about it much, but then now you're calling it out. I'm like, oh yeah, Chris does do that. Yeah, I'm self-aware, Jonathan. Uh -huh. I know who I am. Yeah. I know all five of who I am. Five of them? <laughs> oh shit, I don't think I've met all five. So I think related to the idea or topic of code switching is also the myth of the model minority within Asian Americans. Uh, I feel like, right, model minorities to me kind of perpetuates false stereotypes. We're all quiet, you know, we're perfect, ideal citizens. And generally, the stereotypes associated with Asian Americans are, even if the butt of the joke, are positive, right? We're good at math, 
we're engineers, we're hardworking, you know what I mean? We're quiet, obedient. Right. These are things that could be viewed as negative and, and used as jokes, but at the same time are like positive things uh, in the eyes of most non-Asian Americans, right? But I think, you know, at least from my experience, the Asian Americans I know are fucking loud. You're fucking loud. I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> dude, a lot, all the Asian Americans I know are loud. Whether you're East Asian, South Asian, or Southeast Asian, you're fucking loud most of the time. Right. So this this model minority myth, it does not apply to us anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. It's It came back from this maybe like this old school mentality to like, hey, you have to be submissive. You have to be quiet, docile. Don't make noise. Don't very stray away from everything. But uh-huh. essentially, that that's not who we always are, right? No, we're not. Definitely not this generation mm-hmm. of Asian Americans. Um, I think the idea of the model minority came from like like the '60s or something like that during like the Immigration Act or whatever. Uh, dude, my history is so bad. <laughs> this is not a history out, podcast. This is not a history podcast. It came out a long time ago because there there was a need basically to. Um, you know, there's basically a lot of strife going on during uh, the, the 60s and 70s. Um, and then essentially, I think like the government or someone is such a up level to put Asians on a pedestal and be like, look, these people can come over to the U.S. and be upstanding citizens, right? They're basically were imports from other countries, normally East Asia, that were lighter skinned, fairer skinned. And be like, look, they can work hard and they can be quiet and they can like listen. Well, why can't you be like them? But it kind of pitted us kind of against each other. Yeah. Right? Minority versus minority. That should not be the case. Yeah. And even now to this day, I think when people talk about Asian Americans, they think lighter skinned Asians. You know what I mean? Like yeah. East Asians, mm-hmm. not Southeast Asians or South Asians, right? Yeah. We're the, at the bottom of the totem pole. We're at the bottom of the totem pole, <laughs> dude. And I think even then, like when we think about the idea of the model minority and even the term Asian American, on paper, when you aggregate all of us together, it looks like we're successful, right? Yeah, the medium income salary, whatever, it's it's pretty, it's fairly high uh-huh. for Asian Americans in general. But that's if you take the average and you're not looking at what contributes to that, mm-hmm. because people in the lower end tend to be like these Southeastern Asians mm-hmm. who come from these poor countries. Yeah, like us, Vietnamese, us, dude, Vietnam, Thailand, yeah. Cambodia, wherever. It's, yeah, and it's not indicative it doesn't represent the whole totality no yeah what what um i think what like slur calls like jungle asians right like <laughs> jungle asians <laughs> yeah. yeah like east asians um and, and south asians generally are higher on the average but then when we look at the yeah, like you said the bottom of the totem pole southeast asians it's not reflective of you know yeah what actually is happening yeah um and even broader when we look at the full term api i feel like when we group in Pacific Islanders into the mix, we're also kind of doing being a or doing a or having a disservice for them too, because now all of a sudden their community, while a lot smaller than East Asians, are all of a sudden now being lost and kind of grouped in with this Asian community. This big AAPI umbrella, right? Yeah, and they're also not really being accounted for in their disparity. And all of this kind of stems from code switching too, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you kind of we were brought up thinking and being forced to to act a certain way in order to fit in, but then long term it's it's doing a disservice you know what i mean do you feel like we're kind of busting that myth now too in a way where southeast asians are really rising up and kind of uh being you know more equal to other aspects or other areas within the asian community yeah yeah i think so um so back about maybe 10 years ago i don't think that was the case Uh it was like rare for someone who was um i think indian to go like oh yeah i'm asian too yeah a lot of people go like Huh? Uh-huh. But n- nowadays, South South Asians, you know, we're all part of that Asian criteria and category. 
Yeah. Um, you know what? I think I was looking up a YouTube video. Uh-huh. So the total amount of Asian countries out there, I think, is about 40 or so. Yeah, there's a lot, lot There's a lot of weird ones. <laughs> no, weird ones. <laughs> yeah. Normally, when you think of being Asian, you think of the, the five big ones. You think, oh, Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean, whatever. And yeah. all your eases, right? Mm-hmm. All your Asian eases. Mm-hmm. But then you don't think about India. You don't think about Kyrgyzstan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all, all of those other more obscure ones. So I, it, it blew my mind. Yeah. And do you feel like we should be looking that deeply when we talk about Asian communities? Or do you feel like the term Asian American should, you know, it should stay as the umbrella? I, I think it's okay. Because the biggest thing about being Asian American is our numbers to collectively together as this whole like Asian American collective. Mm-hmm. It's and we can also feel pride that like, hey, we're also Vietnamese American, we're Korean American, we're Japanese American. Mm-hmm. That's great. But in order for us to really grow bigger and unite together, we have to be classified under Asian American. Mm-hmm. That way, numbers are bigger. We have a bigger, louder voice in the mainstream media. Yeah, and that's how that's how we're gonna keep getting more and more attention um, in the media. But you know how Asians kind of hate each other yeah <laughs> you know what i mean you're uh, like asking us to fucking work together fucking chris i uh, know naive optimistic naive yeah. chris vietnamese people chinese people working together hell no dude. i know so much years of baggage and history yeah for sure but um, that's also why the american part ties in so well because in america it's a big mixing pot yeah everyone's trying to just go over here to this new country to have a better life for yourself and for your family and that's where you can kind of forget these ages centuries long battles yeah and feuds that really are just stemming from older generations right. like i think that's why we talked about before so many vietnamese older vietnamese people are are more conservative or right-leaning because they were supporting at the time of trump who was so anti-china right mm-hmm. in the sense anti-communism which people who immigrated from vietnam to the u.s hate right we don't right. like communism yeah but dude yeah if Asians hate each other man so asking us to all work together and have looking at shared experiences man well that's also one of the reasons why we've done such a good job recently Uh banding together is now a lot of other people are hating on us so instead of asians hating on other asians it's other americans hating on asians right now yeah and that's giving us a chance and opportunity to band together like the asian power rangers and fight back the asian power rangers the the asian power rangers fight against racism aren't power rangers asian in the first place (laughs) yeah that's we're just like that in general okay uh, don't ruin the joke. Oh, yeah, we're the joke. We're the joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, usually where where it's like, oh hey, the Koreans are mad at the Chinese, the Vietnamese are mad at the Japanese, whatever it is. Yeah. Now it's we're getting hit in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are attacking us randomly. So now we're trying to band together with their collective voice in the media, and we're trying to punch back. So yeah. that's we're we're doing a better job of that now. Do you feel like once you know, you know I mean, this will never blow over, right? Quote unquote. But once the attacks, let's say, are less frequent, um, do you think we'll go back to kind of being, in a way, almost pitting against each other or competing against each other? I think there will always be a certain degree of that. Like, with all of the other um, Asian podcasts out there, you know, I want all of us to succeed, but I also judge and measure my, our podcast performance with theirs. I'm like, ooh, man, I'm so happy that their podcast got 200 downloads I'm like, uh-huh. ooh, how do I get my podcast to 200 downloads or whatever? Yeah. So the same way like that is I think it will apply to Asian Americans in general. Uh-huh. We'll still be rooting for all Asian America yeah. to bump up, um, but we'll also be comparing ourselves with the other. Like if, yeah. for example, 
Simu Liu gets a big role in a Marvel movie. Uh-huh. Um, and Simu is what? What nationality is he? He's uh, Chinese. He's Chinese, right? Maybe someone Korean is like, oh man, good for him. But uh-huh. hey, what about us Korean Americans? Like, we need more representation too. Yeah. And then you have your Japanese Americans be like, hey, we're kind of getting kind of neglected over here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. I think it will be good for all of Asian America, but we're still going to have our small little differences. Yeah, that's fair. I, okay, as someone who's aspiring to be a comedian, uh, do you feel like the comedians, even the Asian ones, right, they oftentimes talk or use their ethnicity or nationality as the butt of their joke, right? I think back to like way back in the day, I remember like one of the first ever stand-up routines I ever listened to when I was like younger was one by Russell Peters where he essentially makes fun of a lot of different Asian um, nationalities, right? Uh-huh. And like, it's all the stereotypes. And I thought it was kind of funny, you know? I thought it was really funny. But do you feel like comedians should continue making those type of jokes nowadays? Like, would you be comfortable making fun of being Vietnamese if it was actually relatable? I, I think it has to do with being self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. You can make fun of the different aspects that people associate with being Vietnamese, you can say something like, oh yeah, I just had a math test the other day. You know, I know what you're expecting. Oh, Asian dude, he's totally gonna ace it. Well, guess what? I flunked it on purpose just to prove a point to all you racist motherfuckers. <laughs> you can, I think you can say something like that. You can be self-aware of the uh-huh. stereotypes, but you can make it fresh because everyone already knows about these racist or um, these stereotypical jokes. Like that's basic day one comedy. Mm-hmm. So try to, subvert expectations do something unexpected you know make your audience see you're going to a boom boom you make a right turn you head to b mm-hmm. so that's what makes comedy actually more funnier yeah and so. that's and and using going down that route would be more acceptable yeah if you were to use yourself your nationality your ethnicity whatever or even others as the butt of the joke yeah exactly mm-hmm. so be self-aware that hey there are jokes about you know like asians being bad at driving mm-hmm. and subvert your audience's expectations and like making it completely different mm-hmm. so that's um you know like you show them one thing and boom you go the other that's day day two day two comedy right there yeah comedy lessons from chris are here in this mm-hmm. episode yeah speaking of the model minority and asian stereotypes do you think the mainstream media perpetuates all of these stereotypes of like how they cast asian americans in all of these different roles like oh we're just the martial artists oh we're just mm-hmm. like that nerdy best friend that no one finds fuckable yeah i think it's a combination of both uh misrepresentation and underrepresentation right. where um i think more so than ever before yes there are more asians and asian americans on screen uh but they're, like you said, playing more of the side characters, the best friend, right? Um, even if they're not like more, even if they're not stereotypical roles, they're not the main character. Right. And that thing, that's where underrepresentation comes in, where, yes, we're on screen, but we're not on screen in, in a role that didn't have to be Asian. You know what I mean? Like, why? A lot of times when we see actors on screen, it's like, oh, it's because this role was meant to be Asian. That's why they casted someone Asian. And it gets kind of offensive, dude, when you see those casting calls, right? Like you've seen more of them mm-hmm. than I have. Yep. Um, and it's like, eight, you know, wanted Asian male, this height, this build, this look. Um, and I get it. Uh, but what I would want to see more of is Asians and Asian talent in roles that didn't have to be Asian. Right, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen um, for that was maybe The Walking Dead with mm-hmm. Steven Yoon. Mm-hmm. So his character... 
he just happened to be Asian. Yeah. And he shows like his Asian American identity through the character, but I don't think the role specifically had to be Asian. No, right? yeah. I think he was one of like the, I don't know what the term for it is, um, forerunners, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, one of the initial, like he was there episode one yeah to to push that boundary and stereotype of the asian male that can't you know especially him getting like the hot white chick too oh yeah um and then i think i was was watching an interview about that uh, with him recently actually and he was saying like yeah my whole family when they heard that i was gonna have sex with a white chick they were all hyped and they're like clapping and shit during that scene. And I was like, oh my God, so embarrassing. That's it. That's how you know you made it in life yeah. as an Asian guy. When an Asian guy fucks a white chick. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even watch your show, but I'm just going to watch it just for the moment where you hook up with a white chick. Yeah. Um, he did it. He did you it. You know. And dude, honestly, I stopped watching it after um, he was not on the show anymore. Yeah. Boo. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, spoiler alerts. Uh, I'll just spoil it here now. He gets fucking killed. <laughs> yeah, I know. At first, you know, you see a couple of baseball bats through his head, yeah. and you're like, maybe he can just walk around with a brain injury, and then bam, I'm like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, he was fucking He's killed, dead. dude. I, I, like, spoiled myself, too, because I started reading ahead in the, mo- or the manga. <laughs> the fucking manga, dude. Uh, the American manga? The American the manga. The American manga. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, he gets fucking killed. When is this going to happen? Um... But yeah, dude, it's it's not it's getting more common, but it's not as common, which is why I think Simu Liu in a huge theatrical blockbuster is such a big deal. Yeah, I think more and more Hollywood is realizing that hey, people want to see more Asians on screen. Yeah, so that's that's been leading to more of these roles. That's been leading to increased visibility. Yeah. So hopefully, boom, bigger stuff coming up. I know, and but that's kind of because going back a little bit to what you were saying earlier around like specific asian nationalities or identity kind of the differences and all that yes we see more asians generally but we see mostly east asians yeah it's i wanted to see someone vietnamese fucking yeah i want to see like some thailandese some cambodianese Cambodianese. (laughs) no i'm kidding but yeah um i want to see more more of that the underrepresented pop up because we're not yes we're all asian american but we all have our different factions we all have our different backgrounds too yeah I think um I know I I know uh like Netflix is like to all the boys having a lead Asian woman who didn't have to be Asian in that role necessarily I think mm-hmm. that was like a big deal with Lana Condor yeah but uh why is someone Vietnamese playing a Korean character you mm-hmm. know what I mean like is that okay like should that be acceptable in your opinion like someone who's aspiring to be an actor too yeah I think that has to do with the amount of Asian talent out there yeah. um I should say the limited amount. Yeah. So you might not have enough necessarily good, like top tier um, Asian people of, let's say Korean, Vietnamese, or Chinese to play that certain role. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what it becomes. And also, if you think about it that way, it kind of does limit your opportunities if they're casting specifically only for mm-hmm. a Korean American role for like, let's say an Asian role. Mm-hmm. That does that mean that if I'm Vietnamese, I can't play that role anymore. Mm-hmm. So that limits like my opportunity too. Yeah. So that's, I think there's two ways to look at it. I don't think either way is necessarily wrong, uh-huh. but it's just something to think about. Yeah. If it's a Korean role specifically, someone Korean should be playing it. But if it's like an Asian role, uh-huh. don't just limit it and define it arbitrarily because yeah. that way it can limit opportunities for other of the Asian diaspora. I, I see both arguments and I hear both markets all the time, but I think, you know, you put it really well. Yeah, so I feel until at least there's more more Asian roles out there than for right now. Um, It, it should be more open-ended with yeah. like, hey, can someone else who's not specifically this Asian yeah. play it? 
So yeah. until the moment that there is like a bunch, bunch of more Asian roles, I think it should be like this. So you're basically saying there needs to be more Asian talent out there. Yeah. To more, hire and cast for these roles. Yeah, more Asian talent to fill in more Asian roles. So that uh -huh. way, if you have a specifically Vietnamese role, there's going to be at least a bunch of Vietnamese people ready who are capable to play it. Yeah. There we go. You're out there. Come an actor. Yeah. <laughs> or an actress. Hollywood, this is what I'm saying right now. Please. <laughs> give me a job. Help our cause. Yeah. I, um, I already have like two jobs at least, but please give me another job. <laughs> and, and this Silence. is the part where you end the episode all right episode is ending uh that's it for this episode of the just age things podcast fuck it dude we always have the say the similar shit let's just wing this one yeah we're winging it so thank you guys for listening in today's topic was very different from our episode where we just talk about our penises but we hope yeah. that we're <laughs> able to actually give something of value for you guys that we're not just two dumb asians we're two dumb asians who talk about asian things every now and then in a dumb way in a dumb way for sure i'm sure we slipped in a penis joke here and there oh I always, maybe you do <laughs> i always slip in a penis joke somewhere uh, <laughs> if you guys can please follow us on ig at just asian podcast and if you listen to some apple podcast give us a five star review you know the routine do it yeah do it if you enjoyed anything that we said today it would mean a lot to us to make more dumb penis jokes for a wider audience yeah if you like the penis jokes then we'll do more of it and if you like the actual asian topics then we'll do more of that yeah so you guys get to dictate our fate in future yeah dictate <laughs> dictate <laughs> okay there's our penis <laughs> show quota all right and with that we're out we out